So we've got the dev Kyle here. He was uh, well. I mean, we'll, we'll, let's just hear your story, dev Kyle. What is uh, your 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 role with Hex at first, right? And are you? I I don't know if you're working on Pulse Chain at all, or if you're just kind of in the background. Or I'm sure you so, yeah. know some things at least. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, how to answer that question? I guess we'll, we'll start at the beginning. <laughs> it's loaded. Yeah. So uh, 2019, I got turned on to the the Hex project, and just wanted to dive right in, teach myself how to do sort of smart um, smart contract programming. Thought, oh, this sounds like a cool idea. It kind of dispenses with a bunch of the uh, frills and kind of BS surrounding crypto projects at the time. This is sort of coming off of the 2017 ICO hype cycle. Right. And thought this would be a simple thing to get started with. Turns out Hex was a simple idea that's very complicated in practice. Yeah. Um, ended up helping quite a bit with some of the design and game theory thoughts, built a bunch of tools to sort of test and harden hypotheses about it, um, and helped kind of through the dev and release process, uh, stuck around the community. Um, cause of course the promise of hex is you sort of set it and forget it for years at a time, but right. in practice, that's not what happened. So lots <laughs> oh, of people have questions. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we didn't do that. We didn't follow through on that plan. Right. Um, so just continued being an active community member, uh, helping folks with knowledge and code. And uh, I have a, a kind of a long history at this point in software engineering, large systems, companies you've heard of. So I have a lot of practical industry experience to kind of bring to the table and have continued with other kind of Richard Hart projects, Richard Hart ideas. Um, just lending skills, expertise, knowledge. Uh, I, it's all volunteer based, so it's as I have free time. So when you ask, am I working on Pulse Chain? You, you know, I've dipped in and out. I help how I can, uh, but I do have a full time job, so it has to be balanced against that. Right. Interesting. So yeah, you. Uh, um, I mean, so you're just doing it for fun. I, that's what yeah, I always think. That fun. It's funny. It's like you just do it for fun. Like you, yeah. you've been co you coded some of Hex, or at least I know you, you did the uh, Monte Carlo uh, simulations, so, right? Yeah. So I wrote a I wrote some simulation software, and as we did iterations on the contract, and came up with different models in hopes of solving some of the core problems. Uh, one of which is is to make longer pays better actually true. That is much harder than it sounds. Right. Um, so I wrote some simulation software that we could plug in the contract and just see what it would do under kind of random conditions, or you could bend it towards more realistic conditions uh, as you wanted. So there was that. I actually did write some Solidity code that did not make it into the final contract, but uh, there, there is a funny story there that the, the main contract dev only knew me by reputation because Richard would say in public, we have this problem. I would write some Solidity code, me being a noob, being like, oh, I know how to do that. Da, 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 da. And then Richard would tell the main dev, Kyle wrote this, merge it. And that guy would say, who's Kyle? F him. Why does he think he knows how to do this? So we, we got off on the wrong foot because of that uh, intermediary communication. Interesting. Yeah. Buddies now. So wait, were you, uh, you, were you and Richard like that too? Did you guys kind of have contending uh, viewpoints um, at, at some point? That's a good question. I don't think he and I ever disagreed on the values. So right. we were, we seemed, we've always been very aligned on what's important. 
and just talk in terms of trade-offs. We can achieve these values, but here are the engineering trade-offs that need to be made. Uh, there's a time to market versus sort of robustness trade-off sometimes, or there's a feature creep that we could do that would solve these things and be pretty cool, but will be slow or will be hard or will be complicated. Um, so no, I don't think we ever disagreed on those things. And me and the main dev didn't actually disagree on the content of any of the changes. Uh, it was just the, the messaging of, okay. hey, this guy came in, he wrote some code, merge it. Right. Who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Who's You're the guy? new guy. You're the new right, guy. Just some guy yeah. from the internet wrote some code. And you want... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see. Hexcong, thank you for the 5555. Dang, what up, dude. For doing well. Thank you so much, Hexcong. Uh, we are doing very well. We've got the very know, generous. two main men, the, the Kyle and uh, the coffee here and Hexplosive. So, uh, so yeah, we, so what are your thoughts? My big question for you and people are going to, you know, this is very uh, polarizing in the Hex community right now. What are your thoughts on, oh, the, no. uh, ETH, on the ETH chains, uh, the extra forks, the ETH F and uh, ETH W? What, uh, what's your long-term thoughts, short-term thoughts? What are you, what are you yeah. thinking? Uh, that, that's a good question. I didn't realize there was, I didn't realize there were so many thoughts, actually. Um, <laughs> so I, I read briefly about the, the ETHW thing. That seems like a very laudable effort. I, I can see why you could take a cynical viewpoint and say this is a, this is a cash grab. This is just a, a straight fork. You can clone some of the tooling and call it your own thing and hope to extract some value. Um, but I also see it as a legitimately good idea to have a fail safe that you have chain state that you can fall back to uh, because you can never be sure, right? I mean, this whole, the merge has happened. Uh, Ethereum is on proof of stake now. If it turns out that experiment fails, uh, wouldn't it be nice to have state to go back to? You know, DeFi yeah. could just change which chain is legitimate by which one they will actually cash you out for if you're USDC or USDT or whatever. Yeah. Um, this whole space of crypto to me is interesting in that it is all highly experimental and that the facts on the ground can change from day to day as you learn about who's a scammer or who uh, is is actually doing like reserve banking, but said they weren't, you know, you can sort of learn and go and change and pivot and adapt because it's all in software. And there's sort of a social consensus on top of that of what is, what is backed, like what, what is uh, made legitimate through, through real fiat, real fiat, uh, through the, what is it? The full faith of uh, governments. Yeah. So I don't have a strong opinion near term or long term on ETHW or ETHF. ETHF, I don't know enough about, but from what I understand was basically Poloniex, Poloniex's cho choice for, for a backup right. chain. Um, so it's hard to have an opinion because we don't know enough. We don't know if those are going to survive or if they're just going to be centralized versions of the old thing. Like mm -hmm. Ethereum in the one dot era was highly decentralized in terms of who was mining it comparatively, uh, like across the space. If ETHF ends up being just a bunch of Poloniex owned miners, then it won't be decentralized and it probably will fail that um, test of confidence over time. Uh, ETHPOW may be 
a, a totally legitimate secondary chain because their pitch is basically, hey, you spent all this money on mining hardware or GPUs or solar rigs or whatever you're doing. Uh, just point it at this and you can mine it forever. Right. I like that they're not beating around the bush on that either. Like Chandler, the founder, he basically said verbatim, this is so miners can continue mining. And people are criticizing him for that, but it's actually the honest truth. He could have chose the narrative of proof of work is better, but he knows it's pretty objective. I mean, proof of work for proof of stake, people fight about that all day long, but the real reason is just miners need to make money. And to me, it seems like a pretty, it'll be around a while. Um, whether or not it's highly successful price-wise, that's another thing, but it'll be around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah at uh, worst, I'm it's pretty... benign, right? It's not creating a run right. on ASICs or GPUs. They're already <laughs> purchased. They're already operational. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I had one question, big question for you. If you built Hex today, what would you diff do differently from whatever we've done? Oh, what would be one thing that you'd do a little bit different? What's one thing we would do differently? I think, I don't think we have strong evidence that the Bitcoin claim was useful. Uh, that's, I, I that's mine too. I think that, that I would give it to the that took. Dudes. Yeah, I mean, so this has come up in a couple of contexts recently. That feature dominated all of the security audit attention and right. dominated a lot of the development and infrastructure slash operational time in being able to quickly dump the address state of the Bitcoin chain, mm -hmm. compress that down into balances and addresses, build out the data you needed to make the claims, upload that to the website so that you could generate claim proofs. Uh, there's a huge amount of engineering time and figuring out all the different address types and kind of exhaustively figuring out how to cover the most different kinds of Bitcoin addresses. And the data are pretty tepid in, in terms right. of who actually claimed, and then they just dumped their coins. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't get positive press. It didn't have any stickiness for the vast majority of, of Bitcoin people who participated. And I, I don't know that it, it was a net win. Was that, yeah, because it took you guys, it was because they had to do all of the Merkle tree stuff. Didn't that take like the longest part of all of the development was that part was trying to get uh, the <laughs> that, Bitcoin That's not quite fair. That's not quite yeah. fair. Uh, Richard pivoted on a lot of features mid-development cycle. I think that okay. honestly took the most time. The Bitcoin claim stuff was in from the beginning because that was the whole pitch is like, I think he's even talked about this publicly. His idea basically was how do we export Bitcoin state onto the Ethereum chain? Because the Ethereum mm -hmm. chain has more features, more interoperability and more of a runway, more of a future than the Bitcoin chain. Mm -hmm. But how can we take that balance state and let you move it to Ethereum? We're going to do a Bitcoin derivative or, you know, um, state transfer. Uh, so that was like the core of the idea. And then all this other stuff and all this other stuff ended up taking a huge amount of time because there was a lot of back and forth on, are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? Uh, we explore features, then we kill them. They, they prove intractable, et cetera, et cetera. It did take the lion's share of the auditing time. Uh, it, because that is a domain in which auditors feel comfortable. So right. they can look at things like signatures, Merkle trees. Uh, that's their area of expertise is sort of the more straightforward or security primitive stuff. So that's where they focus their attention. As such, it then becomes annoying 
to, to right. explain this phase goes away. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because it only lasted a year, so it was probably like not really, like you said, it was almost not worth it for you guys to. Would it yeah. have been easier to do the Ethereum system state? Would it have been easier to do the Ethereum system think? state? Meaning for like, people for, to... for like Bitcoin, like a free claim for like we, we did for Bitcoin. As opposed to like the Bitcoin got, one. Instead of Bitcoin. Oh, oh, massively easier. Massively easier. <laughs> yeah. So I like yeah. I would have like I if I if it was me, I wouldn't have done Bitcoin. I don't know if it would have been easier from you know, just what you said now, it'd be easier. But I was thinking give the Ethereum because the Ethereum guys, and I think Richard said this too, they're a lot more, you know, open minded to give away the the uh you know, like or to 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 new things they are like oh okay this they are especially in erc20 you'd think yeah you'd yeah imagine. I, they may not have been as unfriendly uh, as bitcoin people but from, <laughs> a from a technical point of view uh the fact that bitcoin does utxo versus account-based balances is actually very complicated so they have a lot of different address types uh and those addresses can be associated with your same private key but be different address types so it's actually quite difficult to compress um, your claim data to then actually generate a valid claim. So there are certain address types that don't work at all uh, it, within Bitcoin. There's a bunch of complexity. It has a long history of going through many changes and of different systems adopting different types of addresses. It's very complex. Ethereum is very straightforward. All of your balances are associated with one address, one account, one user account. And it's very easy in contract code to verify signatures for for a single address. Hmm. So yeah. even if you have multiple addresses, it, it would be very easy to generate uh, signatures and verify them. Okay. Huh. Crypto Coffee, you got you got anything? Well, um, oh, a lot okay. of that was probably over people's heads, including myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, I'm just thinking like this is so much more than I could have ever imagined. I think back to what I knew about crypto in general when I first got into Hex. And it's mm -hmm. just, I have, I had, and I still do. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's kind of like in martial arts when you come to the realization that either you just have zero idea what's going on, you know? Yeah, so I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting right now. I'm watching you do some crazy moves right now, you know? <laughs> so what I think, Kyle, uh, you are a jujitsu black belt, right? No, I don't know. Not a black belt. No, no, no. Oh. I, uh, but you're a jujitsu fan? Yeah. Yeah. Nice, dude. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about then? When you watch different level, you know different mm -hmm. styles of jujitsu or different levels, you're just or you roll with somebody who's so yeah. much better. You know, a black belt. You're like, oh lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a little child again. It, it that so the parallel is pretty good because if you come in as a novice, people are doing stuff. Like you can see action happening, but you can't interpret it. You, you're you're just you're literally not able to really see what's happening. Yes. Uh, but you know, and it's actually kind of me watching soccer is like this, like what, what's that? Are we, do they win? Like, I don't, I don't understand what's, <laughs> what's happening, right. particularly with like st clock stoppages. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you don't running sometimes or yeah like, like why, why is why it, does it stop now right. it's going now okay it's over yeah. the time you guys said it was gonna go it's 90 it's arbitrary exactly and <laughs> with jujitsu as you learn because it is very knowledge-based and sort of recognizing patterns and giving yourself sort of a routine to follow to, yeah. to get to the position you want to get in mm -hmm. as you learn more you can interpret more of what you're seeing. But as you get to the deeper levels or higher levels, uh, people are able to play games with your perceptions. And they're yeah. able to make you think you are seeing something 
you go for it, but it was a trap. Or they know they know the the step that you're going for, the sequence yeah. of movements that you're going for. Yeah, and they, they dangle that arm out it. there. Yeah, well, I bet you could take true. this arm if you wanted, and then yeah. black belts will get you to like tap yourself out. You know yeah. what I mean? You get yourself into a shit position, to where, and it's like, how'd you guys what? But that's kind of how I feel listening to you talk about uh, development, and all the work and, and attention that goes into every little thing, uh, different aspects of these. You know, hex specifically is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a very detail. It's a very detail-oriented process. There is a lot that happens in the crypto space that is a little bit fast and loose, because software generally um, is best done when you treat it iteratively. That we're going to do just enough to learn something, and then we will fix what's broken and move forward. Having tight feedback loops in that way tends to grow the best software or evolve the best software because you can think about something until you're blue in the face but there will be angles you didn't consider or just Mm -hmm. facts that you didn't know that will be revealed to you when you try to run the system live you even hear richard talk about that right like he's he's talked about like oh and this was a crazy feature that i just realized and didn't really have any thought about or intention Mm -hmm. of you know it wasn't an intention uh, a feature that he created uh yeah like the emergent forward. properties right like the yeah, community exactly. itself is an emergent property but also i think correct me if i'm wrong like kyle in your simulations i think uh they kind of expected an average weighted stake length of around two to two and a half years and it blew everyone's minds that in reality it's closer to seven years now so people are really going like way way farther than we expected them to yeah that there are a bunch of things that didn't bear out. It, it was very useful to do those exercises. <sighs> so, so share rate came out of that. Um, big payday came out of that, actually. So that was really? that was a con- there were a couple of concrete pieces of feedback that I gave on a couple of occasions that bore out in simulation and actually changed Richard's mind. And one of you them did, was big you did payday. The share rate, right? Yeah, I did, did that. You, yeah. And, and Big Payday? You were yeah. the, you were the, okay. we, well, we all, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. The share rate was one of the most innovative things, I mean, in, in the history yeah. of cryptocurrency, in my opinion. Like, once people understand it, and people that don't think it's a big deal really don't understand it yet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, uh, that was, I don't take sole credit for that. We were talking about that particular feature for a long time. I synthesized several ideas and came up with that as a pitch. Like, I think we can do this, and I think here's how we should do it. There was a community member that had an idea like it early on, but couldn't solve for bonusing and couldn't solve for a few of the other uh, things. But the basic idea of things getting more expensive over time rather than uh, inflating existing stakes was sort of the core idea. And then there were a couple of specific other things that... uh, that I came up with that, that I will take credit for. But the, but the big payday, that was that was 100% me. Because nice. I, I, the way it worked before that was that uh, a small percentage of the unclaimed Bitcoin would be awarded each day of the launch year. Right. And I just showed in simulation after simulation, this will never have the property that Richard wanted, which was you don't benefit... Um, massively for learning about it one day earlier and there was no way around that it just Mm -hmm. be just distributing so many coins every day just made that impossible so 
compressing it all to one day at the end where you take one snapshot of everything unclaimed and then everybody who staked gets a cut. Uh, that was that was the way to do that. And did you guys think that there was going to be way more people free claiming the Bitcoin? I'm guessing you did because you were saying we did. Like so yeah, we ran the whole range from you know a tenth of a percent to ninety percent of people who could claim. Um, yeah, it was pretty pretty disappointing. Three <laughs> percent. Oh, right? Here's ETH yeah. said uh, General Vive on Hedron and Icosa. What is? Uh, thank you for the seventy five. Thank you. Thank you so yeah, much. Wow. Is that directed at me? That's directed at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> every everything that I've seen from the developer behind those has been very honest and forthright and good intentioned. Hadron itself, I don't think I understand why people like it as much as they do. I, I get it as an idea, and we talked about encapsulated stakes years ago, mm -hmm. and I like that he has kind of a protocol first approach by making it ERC721 compatible. Um, the the added feature of basically auctioning off distressed debt is good. That mirrors another real world thing. Uh, so the, the seems, I don't know what Icosa does, honestly. I don't, I don't keep up that much. Um, but as a general vibe, I get good vibes from Alex, I think is the dev behind those things. Yeah, uh, we got another question from Lights Out, and he says, "What do you think about the Go Lang? Uh, why we went from Go? Is let me see, why, why pivoted from Go Lang? Uh, rewrite for Pulse. There we go. On the Go Lang rewrite for Pulse. Oh, here so we the, go. The consensus code essentially being taken out of yeah. uh, Solidity. And, oh, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, that that <laughs> what what a good question. Uh, <laughs> so here's the problem with having your consensus on chain you become subject to the constraints of your virtual machine. Mm -hmm. So imagine for a moment, actually, I'll, I'll use an actual example. So in the, in the game Minecraft, they introduced uh, something called Redstone, mm -hmm. which you can use to like Build push information. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 10 years ago, I think, I think it was like 10 years ago, I saw a demonstration where somebody built a CPU in Minecraft. Right. And that CPU obviously worked at like one operation per 10 seconds or something like something just horribly slow because when they zoomed out, it took up thousands of square feet to, to right. build this like one thing. And that's a lot like what the Ethereum virtual machine is doing, because its primary job is to output state changes like proofs that I started at A and I did some stuff, and if you do that stuff, you'll get B, just like I got. Right. That's its primary output, the primary artifact that it spits out, is that if I make these state changes, I end up at B. And that's verifiable, everyone else can do that too. And because that computer has to run within your computer, it is, it has to be less powerful by right. definition. Because it's less powerful and also subject to the rules of I have to be able to replicate exactly what you did. Excuse me. Um, it constrains what you can do. So it's mm -hmm. it's open. Like you can look at the code, you can run a decompiler and like see what it's actually doing. Uh, and that's that's nice. That has some nice properties. The fact that hex is readable on the public blockchain, like the source code is there, means that we can always address questions. That, that people have like, hey, what's this about? Hey, what's that about? I don't think this works right. No, it definitely does. And you can see. 
um, so if you if you want that transparency, the cost is you have to run it in this virtual computer. And that comes with certain kinds of constraints. Moreover, the nodes that are running the software to come to consensus have to transmit that information between them. And then it becomes subject to all of the consensus uh, vulnerabilities. Like if you, if you need to have two computers agree on the output and convince a third computer, you have fewer tools available to you if that has to take place in the context of the virtual hmm. computer. Hmm. So moving it to Golang gives you more performance because you get to use your actual computer rather than the virtual computer. Hmm. You're not constrained by only doing things that, uh, that the virtual computer can do. Because like the virtual computer has to account for every step and right. like produce, here are the steps I took. It has to basically ship its algorithm to other computers. Using my real computer, I can use shortcuts, regular engineering shortcuts. And anybody else is free to write software that does the same thing, use their own shortcuts, use their own uh, like optimized stuff in different programming languages. So with that explanation, I think that's the right call. I think the starting point of doing that in the in the virtual machine, like in contracts, was a good, it was like a good faith effort. Hey, let's put this on the blockchain so it's all there. Like everybody right. can just interact with the blockchain and do their stuff and they can have confidence that it's all true because it's happening on chain. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as a practical concern, uh, you can't run a blockchain from within a blockchain. Mm. It makes sense. I mean, so it's a lot quicker and you can, it's easier to develop and everything on, right? Is that what and, you're pretty much? And you just have more tools available to you okay. to, to fix things or to do large operations. One thing the blockchain is not good at doing is large operations. So yeah. imagine you need a contract, like say the staking contract, to do 10,000 things. Maybe it can't, maybe it can't do that in, mm. you know, three seconds or five seconds or whatever. Huh. So this is more throughput effectively. Is that true? It's it's throughput. And again, you just you have access to more traditional engineering tools and constructs. Whereas within the blockchain, within Solidity and the, the assembly language that it compiles down into, you're just constrained. It can only do the kinds of primitive operations that it can spit out evidence for. Whereas in a traditional programming language, you don't have that constraint. That's crazy. Was it taking oh, up? It's like, actually crazy. Oh, go ahead, crop. Was crop. it taking up like almost the whole block? Like I'm not even sure what ratio of uh, the block that the consensus code was taking up. Well, so here's the other the other thing that's hard to foresee. So this is something that in, in hex, I mean, you're asking about the process of developing it. You have to develop it, assuming that people are going to interact with it in certain ways or certain numbers of people are going to interact with it uh, in, a, in a given time because there's all this timing stuff that can happen if you try to cram everything like in the last block of the day. Like you try to start your stake right at or right before the day rolls over because right. there's some thing you're trying to game. Um, with the consensus code, people can play games with it. They could try to do a bunch of things at critical timing windows to uh, 
to cause unexpected behavior or to cause something weird to happen. Mm-hmm. We saw this in practice, and in, in fact, we were a little bit inoculated to this effect with Hex because we saw what happened with EOS. EOS went through this with their launch phase where people were playing games uh, by entering the, the day's pool right at the last minute and, and just paying high gas fees to just like ram in their their ethereum right at the last minute or you would watch a graph throughout the day and you could see oh somebody just missed the cutoff because mm-hmm. we started with the next spike. day yeah yeah we got that in so, hex though too i we mean did we did so yeah. if anything that should have been that should have been enough evidence that trying to it's do consensus layer stuff or mm-hmm. paying stakers stuff in a contract was going to be subject to those sorts of uh timing problems Right. Mm. Interesting. Right. I've got another question uh, if we want to pivot. So I'm not sure how much you know about this related to pulse chain development, but I think a lot of people are also wondering, there's been bugs found in both Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain that were then discovered by pulse chain developers and fixed within pulse chain. Are you allowed to publicly talk about those or... Do you know what they uh, <laughs> I will I will err on the side of not talking about them in particular. <laughs> Okay. Uh, are they critical? Would you I'll say? say this? There are limits to what you can copy from other successful projects when you don't operate in the same context that those projects operate. Mm. So not to be too vague, Binance Smart Chain operates in a context of it has an external controller. BNB Chain messages BSC and tells it who the new validators are. So that doesn't sound like that big a deal. It's like, oh, so I just need something to tell me what the new validators are. And then I could write that. And then I'll just tell myself, right. no problem. Uh, but that's actually harder than it sounds. And, and you then start to realize, oh, there are some safety net things you can do when you have an external authority that you can't do from within your system. Similarly to the operating in the context of a virtual computer, it is constrained by its rules. So if you put all the rules in the virtual computer, then you have a hard problem of trying to fix yourself if somebody finds something that you couldn't do anything about. Hmm. BSC doesn't have that problem because they have a failsafe in BNB. Mm. Ethereum, similarly, has a large community, and most people are kind of watching each other, and they're able to adapt relatively quickly if they find somebody being exploitive, with a notable exception of the, there was the one pool that was doing the uncle attacks where they were like intentionally screwing with a clock to, uh, to orphan off other blocks. Uh, they were doing that for like two years. And I think it was only recently published in a paper how you could do it. And hey, we analyzed uh, who's been producing blocks. And for two years, this one mining pool has been doing that systematically. There are things like that that you can't really go back and fix. But if you have lots and lots of eyes on the problem, maybe you can fix forward. Mm. So that's what I'll say about that is that the ecosystems are different. The context is different. So there are limits to what you can practically just lift from those and reuse. So it sounds like the fixes were related to 
keeping validators honest in terms of the rotation and maybe slashing as well? Uh, in that in that in this context, yeah, in that neck of the woods. Okay. Hmm. Hey Pierce, thank you for the thirty-seven. I wish I could think as fast as this guy. Can we get this knowledge maybe once a week? Hexo coffee. Well, yeah, maybe. Uh, very reasonable. We like. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure to the dev Kyle. You know, he just does coding on for fun for the Pulse channel. Yeah. So he's just got ample amounts of time. Yeah, he's just chill. Yeah, not, not yeah. like he's big <laughs> I'm, I'm barely employable. No one wants me to work for them. <laughs> I was gonna ask: Is this like this has to be good for a resume, or would it depend on? I don't put this on my resume. You no, these these worlds are separate for me. Interesting. Okay. Hexo That's and I talk about that. How there's a crypto world and then a, a real world that you're in, and there's That's like a, a balance that you got to mess yeah. with. You know. Yeah. That is. Yeah. It, there's uh, nothing malicious about it. It's just, frankly, I don't want to be asked in a professional context right. about it because my initial experience with crypto was. Uh, very disappointing. So in like 2016, 2017, I, I was looking into to basically voting integrity. Like, why don't we have electronic voting more ubiquitously? And it, there's a bunch of research papers on uh, protocols for coercion resistant voting. It's technically feasible, but there's all these like, how do you deal with strong arm governments? And how do you deal with people just literally selling their private keys? How do you deal with this, that, and the other? Blockchain kind of comes up as a concept, uh, as in a, an append-only database that you just can publicly post info. That got me kind of into this world. Uh, I got super into it, taught myself kind of all the cryptography I needed, and was sort of working on it, talked to some professional colleagues about it, and I had this horrible, disappointing experience where I got together like 20 people who said they were interested in blockchain. And I said, okay, so here's what I know. And I put together a PowerPoint presentation uh, and like went through stuff. And that took 20 minutes. And then the other 40 minutes were people talking about uh, their, their day trading on, uh, mm. what was yeah. it, Bit, uh, Bitfinex? Yeah, it was Bitfinex at the time. Mm. Oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? I'm using these charts. <laughs> it was just trading. Nobody had any technical interest at all. I tried one more time and the group had pared down from like 20 people to like five. And then it was the same thing. They just talked about trading. And then it was just me the next time. So I thought, <laughs> well, I've actually okay, this is it. By yourself. This yeah. is it. I guess these worlds are separate. And so they yeah. will stay that way. Crazy. I mean, yeah. I've got a similar story in the, uh, the rat race world, basically that it wasn't so much that people were just too degen to care about the, the blockchain itself um, in terms of being traders, but it was more so all getting together and trying to figure out what blockchain is and how to use it. And I was actually a project manager on a team that built an internal app for the company I worked for that uh, it was basically like a, an internal company cryptocurrency that you could send to other people uh, as a reward for doing positive behavior in the company. But what I realized is that even the developers that were in charge of this, like nobody really was sticking to crypto principles. They just wanted to flex that they knew blockchain so that other clients right. when they came to us, we could say, oh, yeah, we know all about blockchain. But I mean, every pitch, every idea, nobody could really get over the fact that this is really a write-only database. You can't edit this. It's immutable and it's supposed to be. So all the applications that we were talking about building really didn't need blockchain at all. We just wanted to use the buzzword. So I was disappointed by the fact that nobody seemed to understand like the crypto fundamental principles. And we go ahead and we make this app and it's very successful. Everybody loves it. But then everyone 
is asking like the main dev or me, hey, can you revert my transaction? I didn't mean to send it to that guy. It's like, we're not, you know, that's not the point here. Like that's, right. you're totally missing the plot. So <laughs> I think that cryptocurrency being a separate world is just innovating so much faster than the mainstream can really catch on to. So that's why I, I like to keep it separate mm. as well. Like, it's a good idea. That's uh, we got it. We got a question for you. Do you know about EIP 444 and do you think it'll cause issue with eHex in the future if implemented? Somebody asked me about this earlier today. Uh, no. So this is a client optimization to not store or vend data older than a year. Uh, so it's about block hashes and logs. Those are things that clients care about if you want to like look at the guts of what happened in a block two years ago. That data is available on the blockchain, but your client software that has a copy of the database doesn't necessarily need to keep that data around to tell you. Okay. So let's say you have a website. I, I realized I need to go higher. Uh, let's say you have a website and that website uh, says, hey, enter an address here and I'll tell you everything it's done for the last five years. So I go, okay, zero X, blah, 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 blah. And it spits it all out. What it's doing is it has some software that has a copy of the blockchain and it's searching through all the transactions associated with an address. And then it's going to send that back to your website and you display it. What EIP 4444444444 does is basically tells client software that sort of crawls the database, the crawler. It tells the crawler, you could just stop after a year. Don't bother, don't look. And that's fine. So now your website doesn't work anymore because your website will stop looking after a year. Right. Hex as a contract on the blockchain by definition has to have the full state of the blockchain available. Because if I send a transaction to a um, some transaction node, whether I'm running one or I use Infura or whatever alternative, and I say, hey, I want to execute this contract. I want to end a stake. The to do that, to actually execute the contract, requires that it do these lookups in the database, not for logs, not for transaction history, but for the actual data that on this day or in this memory slot, which took place on this day, uh, what are the data associated with that? Now add that in, go to the next memory slot, add that in, go to the next memory slot. So it's it's directly tied to the data that's stored on archive nodes. So if you have an archive of the blockchain, then uh, but then the contract has to work. Okay. From what I read uh, on that, that EIP, they um, it's basically just a client optimization so you don't have to carry around sort of ancient data for the more superficial use cases like what happened two years ago with this address that that shouldn't affect the actual operation of hex okay. for a practical purposes it does mean that go.hex.com can't use off-the-shelf client software if that change gets adopted by the main clients mm -hmm. Because for it to tell you about your stakes in the past, it does need logs. It does need transaction histories and events and things like that. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Zen Crypto Jack Levin discuss. I'm a fan. I don't know, man. I don't. 
not even looked into it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what Nick any Levin of that was means. on our show. He seemed like a good dude. I know what that um, word means, but I don't know what anything else means. Let's I'll, see. Call it, so, I'll call it an interesting experiment with no sacrifice. So thank God. And uh, it, it's free for to claim for anyone. So oh, there you go. an interesting experiment that might also hmm. be a decent adoption tool when it exists on Pulse Chain because you could tell people, hey, you could flip, claim these free uh, free tokens. I don't know if tragedy of the commons will happen with the price. That's what I'm skeptical about, but that's all I've got uh, so far. I like it. Good intentions, low risk. I mean, he's a very nice guy to talk to. Yes. Smart dude. I will say that. Thank you. Thank you, Pierce. Uh, so what about, the, this is the question I had when the Ethereum proof of stake happened. Why don't we just copy the proof of stake chain to make pulse chain? Why wouldn't we just take that and just, I mean, isn't, aren't we just a fork of proof of stake? Isn't that what we will be it's a good question um there's some things that are different about about uh, ethereum proof of stake from bsc so the pitch for cloning bsc one billions of dollars and hundreds of projects have launched on it successfully the no large-scale hacks or exploits um bridges notwithstanding uh but the core chain seems to work just fine the validator set is small and finite. It's your 30, 33 or something. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe that's what we ended up with. And they have 21 now. I don't know. I heard I think they, more. I think they did bump it up to more, but it was small. Small compared to thousands or hundreds of thousands that the ETH2 mm -hmm. is targeting. So BSC also had faster block times kind of as one of its selling points. The reason it can do that is because it has a small number of validators and the expectation can be that those validators are running beefy machines. ETH2 doesn't optimize for those things. The, the tenets of ETH2 are, let's maintain the property that anybody with a computer can participate and can be a, a validator. So it, sh it should not require heavy lifting on a computer where you need like a server server grade computer. You should be able to do this on a personal computer. We need an algorithm that can select randomly or unpredictably from a huge number of validators because we had a huge number of miners. So now we need to support a huge number of validators. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to keep the mining rewards uh, and no. Oh my goodness. Rug. Well, there he is. There he is. I don't know what happened. Nope. There you go. Oh, I put the wrong Where one. did you lose? You're, you're back. <laughs> mining rewards. <laughs> no, right there. Yeah. They're right, right I'm rewards. Uh, so they wanted to keep mining rewards kind of married to the London hard fork uh, EIP 1559. So the sort of flexible block size, whereas BSC just increased the block size. Again, because they can make this assertion that you're running large server grade hardware. Um, so BSC was the starting point because it had a lot of the key performance features that are interesting, faster, uh, smaller set of validators. So there's sort of fewer people you need to keep your eyes on, uh, bigger blocks so you can have kind of more traffic. And one of the, the common complaints that uh, I think we've all had with Ethereum 1.0 is that building businesses or building applications that demand storage or demand being able to handle spike throughput as lots of people try to do things is just untenable. It's too expensive or your transactions get rejected. Um, and the ecosystem was just kind of unfriendly. BSC set out to be friendly to those things. 
So that's why it seemed like a much better starting point than than Ethereum at the time. And that, in some sense, remains true that Ethereum 2 is trying to maximize on certain parts uh, of the things you can do that that we don't necessarily care about. That said, there is a case for doing that because while it hasn't had the track record of success that BSC has with businesses launching on it without any problems, it has had a lot of eyes on it and it has had a lot of baking time on the test net and now it's live. And so if you start from there and work on it, then whatever changes you need to make, all of that time is spent hardening the main thing as well. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea or a bad thought now that we're in that world. Like a year ago, that, that wasn't the case, but now we are. It seems worth thinking about, but people should also remember there was a reason that BSC was the starting point. The BSC set out to address some of the complaints that people had about Ethereum. It just didn't carry Ethereum state. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see. We got it. What the heck? Dev Kyle is too smart for we mere mortals. <laughs> Great stream. Thank you. <laughs> what the heck for the Thank $50. you. Uh, yes, he is. Uh, he's very intelligent. We love having him. Uh, do you get crypto coffee? You got any questions? Um, not right now. I mean, so so basically, okay. what you're saying is that because we're a, a fork of Binance Smart Chain more so than ETH one, um, one of the main differentiators is less validators and whereas eth2 still wants everybody to be able to plug and play um we're sacrificing basically centralization for performance yeah that's correct to some degree on a, on a, i mean i'm not saying anything is centralized or decentralized people need to think about that on a spectrum right yeah exactly it's still a blockchain the the centralization let me give an example of a different chain entirely that did have a problem with this eos So EOS in some ways was the progenitor to a lot of these things. So they were the first general purpose chain that was well known and well funded that wanted to do delegated proof of stake. And it it turned into a disaster because they had a bunch of levels of indirection. There was huge uh, amounts of collusion between the, the block producers. The way that they did delegation was goofy. They had to keep writing custom tools to do things. And they didn't let you just have general purpose execution uh, on your machines. You actually had to lease CPU memory and storage individually. So it was sort of overly complicated for what it tried to do. And it didn't have any good uh, hygiene mechanisms to get yourself out of a bad situation. The a concrete example, you couldn't sell your last EOS token because you needed it to pay for the compute to sell it. Mm. So you're just like stuck with just some amount that you can never so get rid of. So you need like two total to get rid of all of it? No, you can't. I mean, you never get rid because of it. Because you need one to pay one. for the compute yeah. to sell one. <laughs> oh, didn't uh, didn't wow. they also have like a steal all your money function and all the 21 validators were right. run by yeah, one yeah, dude yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean by collusion and cartel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and it ended up... <laughs> It ended up just collapsing. Oh, and they could vote on what the inflation should be for their term. Yeah. So they like, I, like I vote for a million. Five guys that own the right. validators, 21. Yeah. yeah. So they had a bunch of uh, just operational problems and just ideas that may have sounded good. Uh, I don't want to get too too derisive because the person who came up with these ideas is well known in the space of having had a lot of successful projects. But these are sort of like ivory tower architecture kinds of ideas where, oh, and what if, like, 
Amazon, you pay only for what you use, compute or memory or storage, and you could do trade-offs, but yeah, but nobody does. Everyone just wants a computer to compute right. the things and store the things and load the things into memory. What, like one of the uh, founders was also notorious for um, leaving his projects half baked, so to speak. Mm, yeah. Same guy, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Same guy. Yeah. So, so that to me is the example to keep in the forefront of our mind why you don't want things to be too complicated. The start from a working thing is a good approach. Mm. Um, but what I said before is also true that there are limits when you change the context. Right. So why do you like, think that Pulse Chain is going to take in so long? Like with Hex, you know, because it's like, because Hex took that's how a great long, two question, years. Hex, yeah. And so yeah. Hex, you know, and Pulse Chain is like, you know, we've seen it and we've seen other things already come out and they're, yep. they're working. So and why crash Pulse and Chain? Mm. <laughs> and crash to be fair. Yeah. I mean, this is, so the perennial conspiracy theory that, that Hex is like right on the verge of rug pulling everyone has been pretty right. funny for the last several yeah. years because actual rug pulls come and go, you know, twice a month. So the, uh, I, I think people don't really understand that, that scams can be fast. Like that there's no right. rule that they just will just keep pulling, just keep pulling. Keep right. pulling. So why is Pulse Chain taking so long? Um, that context change adds a lot of, well, no, I'm going to answer this differently. Hex, had to be as robust as it was mm -hmm. because there was no central authority. There is no emergency lever to pull. Right. It's like figuring out how to launch a rocket that's going to get to Neptune. You need to predict all the orbits, all the gravitational wobbles, all the positions of everything. Because once right. that rocket leaves the launch pad, you can't right. adjust it. Right. There's like micro adjustments maybe through thrusters, but then you run out of fuel and then you can't adjust anymore right. and it's just going and it's just going to go into space. Hex was that way. And I think Richard knew that. And that was one of the core tenets that there is no lever. There's no emergency stop. That ethic also has to be brought to pulse chain. A huge number of people sacrificed an enormous amount of crypto with the with the expectation, not of the profit or work of others, but the expectation that the same ethic of rigor and security and trustlessness and I'm going to say safety, but hopefully you know what I mean, that mm -hmm. it's not going to just get knocked over or exploited immediately. Lack of negative externalities. Yeah, it's going to be a robust L1 on par with any of the other L1s and hopefully better because we've seen some of the failure modes for things like Solana, for example, um, when you do things in a, in a particular way. Now, writing a blockchain is much harder than writing a product for a blockchain. So Hex has some guarantees because it runs on a blockchain. Your, your transaction will either fully work or fully not. It is, tr it is a atomic transaction. So if I try to end a stake and I run out of gas, then it just says, nope, you didn't. It doesn't partially end it. It doesn't put it in a weird state where I can't recover. A blockchain, like the consensus layer, can get into weird states. It has to communicate with other computers. It has to come to agreement. It has to resolve when two computers don't agree. You have to figure out what to do if one of the validators is offline and they keep missing their turn 
Like, what do you do? It has to resolve what happens when two computers think it's their turn at the same time, for whatever reason. If you get one person controlling five of the validators, like, how do you deal with that? Is that really a problem? What could they do if they got five turns in a row? You have to think about a much larger set of vulnerabilities or problems. Now, that's just if you were to invent it from scratch. Now, you're taking something that is already known to work. But when you press on it a little bit and you say, OK, but we're changing the context. We don't have BNB. We don't have a secondary chain that messages what the rotation ought to be. Uh, there are these little, um, like, imagine you have a scarf. And there's like little bits of yarn or little bits of thread kind of dangling off of it because hand knit stuff has that. And it's little errors. It's little places where you had to tie off and, and start again. And you notice those. You go, ah, oh, that's, that's weird, but that's fine. I mean, we're just following the scarf pattern. So we just do the scarf. And if you look at it closely enough and you start to pull on those and say, well, I, I kind of want to button this up and make it look sharp. So I'm going to just like pluck that out. But you start pulling it and it just starts unraveling like a section up here. And you go, mm. that's weird. Do I keep pulling on this? Do I just cut it off? Like what's... What's the I pull it as fast here? as I can. Usually. Right, like <laughs> I don't know how to invent a scarf pattern. Like I'm pulling as fast. Exactly. I'm, I'm not fast nude fast. under here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there. So it's easy for me to describe that it's hard because of a context change that doesn't seem like a big deal until you see why it's a big deal. But the process of seeing why it's a big deal is hard work. And it only comes through testing. It only comes through creative ideas of how to push and pull and flex the system to and make sure, test it. yeah, to make sure it does what people are expecting it to do and what we expect of ourselves. Right. Uh, and I'm speaking. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm saying that in terms of the community and what I know right. about Richard, what he expects of himself and the yeah. things that he releases. Uh, That's let's encouraging. See. Lights out. Thank you for the hundred dollars. Community needed this convo. Thanks, Kyle. I love that they pay you for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely teasing. Wait a second. Uh, don't look behind that curtain. <laughs> yeah. All right. So That's I got a really big question. What are you most excited for with Pulse Chain? What is what is the most like exciting feature that you see that is like being built on top of it or in it? I mean, um, or Pulse X or Pulse X. You could one of the sure. same. You know, what's funny. What excites me is actually neither of those things. Uh, bridges. Bridges are what I get excited about. So here's the deal with bridges. The only way that, that you, uh, what's Richard's term, global domination, the only way you get there is if you invite everyone to come play at your house. Right. And the only way to do that is with bridges. But bridges suck. Bridges are terrible. Right. They're, right now they are... Uh, basically, somebody uh, used their backyard carpentry skills to set up a bridge and they charge a toll and they just hope it doesn't collapse with you on it. Yeah. Is sort of what it feels and like. And they always do and they get hacked. Yeah. You know, and there's always somebody at the bridge ready, waiting to take your yeah. money. Always. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Or there's a troll <laughs> under the bridge. Uh, <laughs> so, so what was exciting to me was learning and researching how that is essentially an unsolved problem right now. So for me, long term, the exciting unsolved problem that if we could uniquely solve, uh, it may not sound very impressive to people, 
but it's the kind of thing that if it just keeps working for years, then it, it will put to rest all doubters and serious business can come on board because serious business has like real due diligence. They have people and lawyers and things that will need to vet your, your tech if they're, if they're going to use it for whatever they want to use blockchains for. And the more bulletproof pieces you can put together that are competitive strategic advantages, uh, the better you are positioned. And bridges are one of those things that nobody has done right because it's still an active area of research. And so nobody really even knows how to do them right. So like it's an area that we could break new ground. Whereas I, I like PulseX and Pulse Chain and all those things. I like yeah, those yeah. just fine, but that's not what excites me. What excites yeah, me are the unsolved problems. Yeah, that's cool. Cause I, I mean, we see a bridge hack almost every week, you know, it's right. like doing the news. It's like, yeah, you know, another bridge hack of a hundred million dollars gone. Oh, there's $20 million there. And so, uh, so and are they bridge. making their own? Are I know, are they going to use the, I don't think that they're going to use Omni bridge, right? Or are they doing it from so, scratch or? Uh, so that was a starting point. Omni bridge or AMB is the, uh, yeah. it's an open source starting point. I, I think that, is the code base that uh, that got started from there's been a couple of changes to it honestly i've been a bit out of touch for two three months or something it is yeah anyway uh, i've been out of touch <laughs> like for a, a few while with it. that's like 10 years in uh, the you know the crypto yeah, world. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so as a starting point that was kind of the that's where we came to so that part of the process the deliberation early on um it was me and a few other people that were really actively engaged on trying to find what's the best starter bridge. And I think the original thing was like, yeah, we're going to do a bridge with no admin keys. But me and a few other people are like, ah, that doesn't actually exist. So yeah. here's what we should do that's kind of the next best thing for the short term. And then medium long term, we should solve that um, because that is a completely unique value proposition that does yeah. not exist today. So do you think that the admin keys at some point will be burned or just gone, or do you think that it'll always? So, so the thing with bridges, so the thing with bridges is that it's basically you need relayers and you need relayers to be trusted. So it doesn't mean much to burn admin keys because I, I don't necessarily mean you have an administrator who can unlock funds. I mean, you have to get the data from here to there. And you have to be able to trust that that data is correct. Otherwise, somebody can basically double spend for on the native chain and on the foreign chain. Uh, nobody has a solution to get around that problem yet. Uh, and so that's where there's kind of an active area of research of uh, it, how do I trust data from your chain? Right. Okay. Is that what's taking so long, do you think, for no. the bull chain? Is the bridge? No, it's good. Okay. No. Uh, so we got a question here, $5.55. Thank you, Jordan. Are we allowed to ask if there will be a testnet version three or what we're thinking about it is right but it is right now? You're allowed to ask whatever you want. Hey, you're allowed to ask anything. It's a free time. <laughs> no, not, not, none of that. <laughs> so, no answer for you. Okay. Cancel that person. Cancel them immediately. Uh, 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 um, do you know any of testnet version three or anything? I, I suspect there would be, just given that it's not like we're letting testnet v2 bake for the fun of it right that makes um sense. let's see dev kyle help hexo bring richard from the corner your share of information should allow him to pass okay we can bring him out for the day. just for that and can i say one more thing too just for a disclaimer 
I'm very spoiled Hexican, and the cats were not planned. I'm telling you right now. That's a total just coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. We got another one from Piers. If you could choose only one, Pulse or Pulse X? Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm guessing that's directed at you, Kyle. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because Pulse X exists on Pulse. <laughs> well, if you can only have one. So you I, have... Think mean, I think they mean which coin pumps harder is what they're trying to say. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Um, I thought it was like one couldn't exist without the other. Oh, one. that's you're funny. Probably right, Kirk, which one would you rather own? You know, that's oh, how that's everyone really thinks. funny. Um, Ooh, yeah. I haven't had to give this disclaimer in a while. I am terrible at price calls. <laughs> Ter terrible at it. I, I yeah. wouldn't trust me. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not going to give you an answer because if you take yeah. my advice, you're wrong. And if you yeah, don't take my advice, idea. you're wrong. I have no <laughs> idea either. I try, I don't even try to guess that one. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You got anything, uh, Crypto Coffee? I got, I've got a couple more, but you go ahead. Um, I guess I could just make an analogy for the layperson like myself. So it, it just sounds like, you know, all things considered, Pulse Chain is not... What I really like that Richard does is he doesn't like to see, uh, he, he doesn't like to beta test software that's worth millions and millions of dollars. He likes a precedent to be set. And so everything that you do see in Paul Chain is just an iteration of good shit that works, that's been working fine for months and months and years, taking the best ideas from previous development and building on the shoulders of giants. So it's like Steve Jobs, uh, iPhone, he, he didn't invent the concept of a smartphone, right? Internet connected phones have been around for a while. You had the Motorola Razor, maybe you could even say the Blackberry made the first smartphone. He just made it way better. He made what people wanted. Just like, you know, Tesla didn't invent a car. Uh, he just made a really, really good car. So I think Paul Chain is the same way. It's picking apart what we want for our specific use case, which is user experience, cheap, fast, and number go up. Uh, let's see, Jordan L. Are there plans to upgrade to EtherScan for Block Explorer? Uh, are there plans to upgrade for EtherScan? So we know that that the software that runs the Block Explorer now is bad, and we knew that. Uh, but it was free, so it was free to clone and kind of hack to pieces to get a Block Explorer. It has been well known that that is it's bad uh, even the company that produces that that software knows it's bad um it's what it's what bsc started with but it just doesn't but to answer your question etherscan is a product i bet they would charge a lot of money to support your chain i heard they charge a million bucks or something yeah so uh dang i think if that person has a million bucks that could happen. It'll be on. There. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I had a question. So there's a, you know, there's some FUD around uh, hex at 15 years. Some of the stakes that are staked for 5,555 days, that they're the the it's going to fill up past a block for Ethereum. So you won't even be able to unstake some of these stakes because they're so big and it'll fill up the blocks with all the uh, data that it's got to do. Is that did, did you guys do some simulations on that? No, we just guessed. That? <laughs> obviously yes obviously yes he's like no bro i asked my five-year-old nephew can i ask you a, 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 a four-digit number he, he was actually I, thinking I gotcha, I gotcha. I no, so, so originally the max length was 50 years so, right i remember so, that oh, wow. that was the original spec 50 yeah. years wow. during the audit process we learned about uh, an Ethereum improvement proposal, 1883, that uh, changed the load data cost 
Uh, and so testing was done to determine what the, the limit would become on the number of days that could be processed. It was test ex tested exhaustively. And while I think it the the actual upper limit is a bit higher than 5555, that was the practical kind of fun number to use. Okay. So let me give a more detailed answer. One of the issues with Ethereum is that they will make changes that are retroactive. So when they change the storage load cost, it becomes the new cost even if you launched your application before that was true. Right. So there was some risk that they were going to change it again and increase the cost and then 555 stakes, 5555 stakes uh, would be too expensive or too much. The counterbalance is that the Ethereum people know that they're playing with fire every time they do one of these things. They never really have a plan for how to deal with existing applications and existing data, but they are aware that they're doing this. So with EIP 1559, they introduced this idea of flexible gas limits within blocks. So there may come a time in 12 years or whatever that you go to end that stake and you do fill up a block, but you fill up a 20 million gas block instead of a 12 million gas block. And in fact, at the time that the contract was launched, if you recall, it was 8 million gas blocks. So that gas limit per block was creeping up over the last few years, even without the specification change that gives you flexibility uh, between blocks. So it's a, it's a good question. It was considered and tested for. And even though the ecosystem is a bit unstable, it's self-correcting a little bit and you know nobody knows the future but seems like it should be okay okay uh, i've got a question oh go ahead oh go ahead go ahead Coffee. well this is related to the hex smart contract and it just i'm only bringing it up because some guy much smarter than me brought it up maybe a year ago and i never really got any closure on the answer but i know that hex calculates uh the daily payouts per t-share over everything you know what i'm gonna ask Already. Please continue. Every single day. <laughs> <laughs> it calculates every single day, which basically racks up gas, right? So they're saying, why don't you just take an array, put all the daily payouts in there and do a for loop? Um, and I'm sure it's not that simple. I'm sure there's a reasoning behind choosing to do it. Maybe it's an accuracy thing. Um, this is a slight variation on the question as I've heard it. Oh, well, so what you've heard. Sure. So, so right now, the daily payouts are in an array. The problem is that each slot of that array is stored as uh, as chain storage. So you have to load mm. each one, which is why it does it in a for loop, mm. uh, as it happens. And that's why it racks up the gas cost. The version of this question that I've heard is, why don't you use an accumulator and then do a subtraction from the last day to the first day? And so an accumulator would be each day, you uh, so you start at zero, then day one, you calculate what the payout per T-share or payout per share is. Let's say it's 1.1. So you add that. Now you have 1.1. The next day, you do the same thing. But now it's uh, it's 2.1. So you add that. Now you have 3.2. So 1.1 plus 2.1 is 3.2. And you just do this through all of time. And your stakes reference the day you started and the day you end. So you have 
the accumulator state when you start, let's say 1.1, and then now someday in the distant future, it's 1,000. The difference is 998.9, and that's your payout per share accumulated over all those days times the number of days, and you get your payout. Why don't you do that? Because that's very simple. You just subtract two things. That is where accuracy and error come, comes into play. So the blockchain uh, does not store decimal data. So you can't store 1.1. You have to store uh, 11 divided by 10 or something, which it can't do that either. You can't really store a fraction. You would have to store multiple numbers. It has to be represented as a fraction because it's, it's fixed point math, meaning that everything is a whole number. The way that uh, coins simulate decimals is by having many, many additional zeros at the back to do precision. So for example, Ethereum breaks down to units that are one divided by 10 with eight or one with 18 zeros after it. So you have one Ethereum, you actually have one zero, 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 zero of the base unit. And so you get 18 decimals of precision. You can have 1.11152965552 to 1111 Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense so far? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So because you can only do things in whole numbers, to represent fractions, you have to use whole numbers in a ratio. So 1.1 can be represented as 11 divided by 10, or it can be 110 divided by 100 or et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Now, to accumulate between days, you have to add those fractions because you can't add them as decimals. You have to add fractions. If anybody doesn't know this or doesn't recall, the way to add fractions is you find the greatest common divisor between the denominators, and then you multiply the numerators, and you add those, and then you use the denominator that's the greatest common divisor. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, or enough of the time, there will be no common divisor. So between say 99 and 98, there is no number that divides those two things. Yeah. Actually three might, but uh, off the top of my head, I don't think it does. Um, I don't think so. 99 and 101, let's say, if you have it as your denominators. So now you're multiplying each side by the other one. So whatever your numerator was over 99 times 101, whatever your numerator is over 101 is multiplied by 99. You add those things and then multiply 99 times 101. Mm -hmm. Those numbers grow astronomical very quickly. So you, you would end up in a very unpredictable situation. So imagine this, we're before launch. We have no idea what, what adoption is gonna be. We have no idea what the claims are going to be like. We have no idea what staking behavior is going to be like. We've simulated lots of it, but we don't know right. what any of that's going to be like. To do this in the dark is to basically say, I don't know how large of numbers I'm going to end up with as fractions from, from one day to the next. I don't know how fast that will grow. And there may come a time when that rolls over it basically becomes too big to, to store. And if I want this contract to just basically work in perpetuity for 15 years at a time or 30 years at a time or whatever, I, that's a risk I can't take. So storing those numbers precisely 
is a gamble, a huge gamble that, that you're going to basically lose data, that you just lose it entirely. So maybe you cap precision. So maybe instead you basically reduce the total size of the fraction if it gets too big, or you cap how precise a fraction you're going to get. Well, now you have kind of an uncertain and variable amount of error from day to day. So that the original pitch of this was that you can lock up your money and you can get the return that you're owed and it's minted by the contract. There's no caveat that maybe you'll be off by 10%. Or, you know, because of precision, maybe you lose 6% or something. Like, you could Depending totally... Depending on the day. Right. Yeah, like and the more totally days there are, the higher the precision could be off. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that that error, by reducing each time to keep it within your precision bound, you could hit that error condition every day. And now you have an accumulation of error. So both of those approaches have huge downsides for the, the promise, the commitment of the, the product, that it won't do that. And I should probably remind the audience, gas was literally a thousand times cheaper to, to use at the time that the contract launched yeah. to the following summer, DeFi summer. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for the answer. Now I can finally go to bed easily at night. <laughs> <laughs> I was there we go. What are your thoughts now, on RH1? Nobody asked me that ever again. <laughs> Yeah, it's in, uh, one, Richard Hart wanting to acquire an exchange. Will this delay the launch? Do you have any? Uh... Um, I've not I've not heard that floated. I know a while ago he was saying publicly he wanted to start an exchange, and it's right. probably easier to buy somebody with the license than to start your own. Um, I I can't imagine that he would delay launch for that. I can imagine it would be very high priority to integrate with uh, with Pulse Chain, an existing exchange. But I, I, that's kind of unanswerable. Uh, let's Good. see. We have, has there been any discussion about forking Uni V3 for PulseX when license expires in a few months? Um, that's an interesting question, but it's an interesting question and an interesting idea because Uni V3 does have some features that Uni V2 does not. Uh, Uni V2 is more battle tested. And I, I think you would want... Things pump harder with symmetric liquidity. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> I like V two. <laughs> v two is basically public domain, whereas Uni V three is not. I know the license expires for for copying and stuff, and I think somebody else who would want to clone it should definitely do that. But uh, that's a legit business idea, right yeah, there. Yeah, that's not something I would do. That's not something I would do. Because I would want to build the targeted features that I want. I wouldn't necessarily want to just adopt Uni V3 right. because you get the downsides as well. So, so Kyle, do you think after all this, you'll be focusing on, uh, it sounds like you want to go towards ramps and bridges. Is that true? I mean, that's what I care about. That's yeah. what I think are the better long-term bets. Yeah. Cool. I agree. Um, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. One guy earlier in the chat, he gave a $5 super chat, wanted to know about was the critical issue found in mid-May fixed? But I want to know, oh, yeah, was it even absolutely. just one issue in found in mid-May, or was it just more of the head developers saying, hey, we need more more time? Uh, so as I mentioned, you pull on threads, and you can find some very odd patterns that, that emerge from that. So it's complicated. Okay. 
<laughs> there you go, Jordan. He's like, uh, given uh, we're in the age of outrage marketing, I don't know if it's wise to, <laughs> to answer this one. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, no, I, I don't know how much time you've got. No, I totally I just, get it. I, I wanted totally to ask it. you before before we ended if you've got to go or anything. We've been going for about an hour and twenty. But uh, when is your when is your prediction that Pulse Chain will, will launch? We all, everybody wants to know. <laughs> so, I, think, uh, I don't know if it's fair for me to answer legitimately. So <laughs> the last time I was asked, I just said tomorrow. So I'll say that. <laughs> that would be okay. so cool. You guys, you, heard, you guys heard it here first. That's my prediction. <laughs> Okay. No, I mean, I, you know, everybody's going to be like, why didn't you ask him the pull chain when it was going to no, launch? I have, you no, know, you have to ask. Fine. <laughs> I have no answer. If I, if I okay. knew, why would I tell you? Right. That's yeah. True. Yeah. Good boy. Uh, don't answer. Your, your cardboard cutout would jump through the camera and strangle me. <laughs> <laughs> Give away his secrets. Uh, yeah, somebody, somebody wants to know, do the devs feel neglected from an alleged lack of communication? But I want to say right now, you guys, Richard Hart's only talking to the devs. He's communicating with them more than it's us that feel neglected. So they probably yeah, have zero privacy. He's probably watching them 24 yeah, seven. Yeah, he's got a little camera got some on their bedroom issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to know, like, do the devs feel bad that like Richard doesn't return their calls? And you know, like, I know some of the people that's happened to, and I, it, it feels really bad, man. Like, do the devs feel bad yeah. about that? <laughs> yeah. I feel bad. I think the devs should feel bad too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just no, I'm teasing. He, uh, as far as I know, he has not been very publicly communicative, but he's always got irons in the fire. I mean, you know who he is. Right. Yeah. 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 That's true. Uh, so what? It, well, there was a question earlier about Tornado.cash. You, I'm sure you've heard about what's going on there. What are your thoughts on all of that, oh, especially with the, being a developer and some, you know, somebody going to jail for developing code? Uh, yeah, that's um, that's a big problem. I think that was the wrong way to go. So, how to answer this? Um, you teach people through your actions as an authority figure uh, how to deal with you. Mm. So, let's say you're a parent and you are a particularly abusive one. Uh, your kids will learn how to work around you because you've shown what you do when they make you mad. Mm. And I think the tornado cash thing and with software in general follows that pattern that by coming down hard unexpectedly and showing you're kind of volatile because the tornado people actually made all the best efforts to maintain auditability mm -hmm. within the limits of, of what they could do with a pseudonymous blockchain uh, the fact that they could export proofs and kind of receipts so to speak um, to give investigators tools, for example. Like they made some good faith efforts. And if you show everybody that you can come in post hoc, despite good faith efforts and come down hard anyway, what you've shown is that you are not worth working with. It's not worth trying to, to, to guess what your future intentions are. It's not worth it. It's better to keep yourself safe. And keeping yourself safe means being more clandestine, being less helpful, not building in tools to, to like, you know, hey, this is my best faith effort. I'm not trying to like offend anybody. You kind of push people uh, 
maybe in the short term, you can stifle that sort of innovation. But in fact, you've just tipped your hand medium to long term into how people should build stuff mm. in the future yeah. to evade you. I think you could look at Ross Albright and Silk Road as another example of that. How many more dark web network uh, websites are there afterwards? Right. That are you, you've never heard of the developers or the founders of those. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's maybe it's because it was young or like it was one of the sort of um, pioneers in in the space that it's like oh we got to come down hard because there's the name recognition. But doing that without nuance it sends a message to future developers, and people are not going to stop developing privacy technology. People will now just be much more defensive about developing privacy technology. Fork it. Just keep yeah. forking. Well, I mean, isn't there a hex NATO and like, and right. I think it's hilarious that, <laughs> that I think it's hilarious that the day of or the day after that they locked him up, you know, everybody that was a celebrity and had ENS name got right. dropped for tornado catch uh, Ethereum or whatever. And it's like, that's yeah. what happened. You know, well, and there's very real consequences. Yeah. And like throwing that guy in jail, there, there are real world consequences. It's not just a meme, but right. it is an inter it's, kind of an obvious demonstration like it just doesn't work that way there's no ach trail or whatever right i mean like i can just send money to anyone right. i want <laughs> like, yeah would you ever consider leaving the united states kyle as a developer uh that's a good question um i'm not good at planning <laughs> just you know big life changes like that yeah so even if I considered it, that's not the same as making a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we got a good question right here. Um, can we get some real info going? Very boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy wants the. This guy really wants. He's the like, real hey, can we talk guys. about the Dallas Cowboys real quick instead? <laughs> yeah. No, this is this is this is trolls. This is, this this is the trolls we got going on here. If you've ever seen uh, Exo's chat, it's yeah. a wild, wild west out there. <laughs> no, I've never okay. seen that guy. So he's, it was just uh, <laughs> I just had to bring. They that make out. fun of my hair. What happens to smart too. contracts on? Yeah, okay, we uh, we probably nothing. Yeah, we read this. We, yeah. we, we he already did this. We already uh, yeah. nothing happens to the contracts themselves. It's a client optimization that you may not be able to use common websites to search historical data. Things like EtherScan, because it is their business model, will not adopt that change because right. it won't it won't work. Why would you pay anyone a million dollars to support your chain if they can't look back in the past? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's it. I don't know. Crypto Coffee, you got any more questions or? I don't want to take up too much of your, I know you got lots of stuff to do. You got Pulse Chain. You know, we're taking them away from Pulse Chain right now, guys. Yeah, yeah. We're the we're the blame for the delay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Delay delays. I guess I'll just apologize. Sorry for the delay, everybody. <laughs> I told my daughter I would show this. I'm sorry. She keeps making stuff. That's great. Ooh, ooh, hex. Ooh, with nice. seashells. Seashells. Seashell. <laughs> Very nice. So, so uh, you're you're excited. You're excited for Pulse Chain, Pulse X, Bridges, uh, Hex yep. Future. Bridges are, are where it's at. Hex's Building bridges. Still? Yep. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't hear the question. Oh, are you just excited for uh, Hex's future, con continuing future? You, you, you know the the, the further ongoing. That's such Hex. a that's such a hard question because again, like at the time, the point 
was to put it down for years at a time. Right. Right. But but we have a community that uh, uh, this is pro- something that makes <laughs> me sad a little bit, to be honest, that there are people um, who feel kind of compelled to hustle. Right. Like this was supposed to be freeing in a right, way yes. of people's time yeah. and people's attention. And at least for some subset of people, it, it didn't do that. It may have even pulled them into a world where you're always looking for an angle. Or like, oh, oh, did you hear this? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people you know, also want to know, you know, how can they help the cause and how can they yeah. speed up the progress or whatever, which is in good faith, but often executed uh, not uh, not ideally uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um, I am looking forward to it. I think everyone is learning and growing kind of together because if you're new to the space, you have a lot to learn and unfortunately a lot of disappointment that you're going to run into. Um, but yeah, I would say the, the arc of the universe is long, but bends in the right direction. Hmm. Speculative good. stickiness too. Like All these extra coins, just different games true. to play. Keep you, keep yeah. you around. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What do you think about all the it's, coins? What do you think about all the extra coins? Like, uh, you know, that are everybody's building and you're coming into the head. I mean, you're kind of, <laughs> you're kind of off the, you're off the, because you're not on Twitter and stuff, right? You're not. That's on right. The, yeah. I deleted all that. You it's, it, yeah. You're, you're not really. I, I was for a while and answering questions and stuff, but it's just yeah, an yeah. attention suck. I, I'm particularly susceptible to getting my attention sucked in. Mm. Um, so I just deleted all that stuff. The, um, fundamentally, I think that people, even acting in good faith, are targeting the wrong group of people. Like it's all preaching to the choir kinds of stuff. And that's just the wrong move. I, I think you may trick yourself into thinking you're, that's what it is. One, you're hitting the same people that already agree with you. Two, you can create the illusion of success because the people who already agree with you already know about your thing. And right. can you know do something about it? Um, and three, it just—it's much better to grow a broad base of awareness and support than to go deep on a very small slice that already supports you. Right. Yeah. So again, I'm sure a lot of them are in good faith. Right. I just think they're—they're they're kind of aiming in the wrong direction. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I've said that about some where they—they think that they're gonna pump pulse chain by just dropping airdropping hexagons the coin and it's like you would want to airdrop all of ethereum instead of just the hexagons for maximum or you're just on really, board potential. yeah for maximum so well, well thank you kyle for coming thank you so hey, much for coming dude for you're, uh, you're you're a you're a genius uh yeah, i will man. have to watch this i just come for the compliments <laughs> no one has to pay me anything. <laughs> yeah. just, just yeah. e- is that like mm-hmm. you really get paid mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i feel spoiled but, uh, yeah i got coffee Everybody, and dev kyle and the beautiful hexo all in the same day (laughs) so uh you probably you're not like you just said you're not on twitter or anything so nobody can find you uh, unless uh you know because usually i tell people where can people find you but it it looks like uh he's a shadow he's a ghost there you go rapid prototype on telegram yeah there you go rapid prototype on uh telegram if you guys want to ask him some questions thank you guys everybody for coming and thank you for all the uh subs and donations so uh that's it. We'll see you guys here tomorrow. And uh, thank you for coming Crypto Coffee as well. So uh, for sure. Thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you guys. All right. All right.